Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome back to the Defiant Spirit. I am back in action with my good friend and my colleague in creating the Enneagram for business and and particularly bringing mindfulness meditation practice to businesses through the lens of the Enneagram, Julie Mouse. Hey, Julie. Hi, B. Thanks for having me. Thanks for sticking around. We we got a little delayed by life. So... um, between Enneagram 8 and Enneagram 9, the world got a little turned upside down with wars and uh, personal travels and all kinds of things. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Back in Finally Enneagram. made it to the nine. And nines were starting to feel a little self-conscious. I know, like they were forgotten in, yeah. in, in all of the tumult of the world while the kids are all fighting in the Middle East, right? <laughs> They're the ones Once who- again, we're, we're forgotten. Mom and dad aren't paying attention to. It sounds very familiar. I have mm-hmm. a sister who's a nine. I have a daughter who's a nine. And of course, Julie reacts and responds like a nine. Yes, very familiar. So, um, nope, so we didn't forget about you nines out there. And frankly, you don't need to be told how wonderful you are because you've been told your whole life you're easy. You're the easy child. Isn't she easy? Isn't he easy? They're so easy. I know that because I have a sister who's a nine and I had to listen to that as the eight hole brother who was never easy. And I was never being, I've never once been called easy. I've Did you get been, why? Can't you be more like your sister? Well, the only thing is that she was younger than me, so it didn't really like work. But yeah. I would have. And yeah. I certainly internalized that. So you nines think you're the only ones who are left out. Well, we eights are left out of the you're so easy conversation. But, yeah. the, but, but nines are so much more than that. So let's start with the nine, the peacemaker, the peacekeeper, the mediator, the diplomat, the I don't know. Are there any other names? I think that about covers it. You get the point, right? Nines. Well, why don't you tell us, since you're the nine, some of the core, I don't know, attributes, energies, values of the nines? Well, so our motivation really is to have this sense of harmony and peace. And um, it kind of, that's our driving force behind everything we do, um, is to always kind of create this harmony and peace. And so on the flip side, that creates... Um, very much a conflict avoidant or trying to figure out how to solve conflict, if not completely run away from conflict. And it's why we do have that easygoing calm to be around, because since we're creating that on the inside, it's contagious. I mean, I do hear that when you're around a nine people, it just naturally feel a little more at peace because we're always striving to do that. Mm-hmm. And it cannot, we can also be great problem solvers and mediators because we can see all sides. Sometimes they say we're at the top of the Enneagram because we have 
um, an understanding of all types. We kind of really get all the different ways of being on the Enneagram other than our own, really. We're kind of asleep to our own way of being. But um, we are natural at being able to understand how um, other people operate and and have compassion for that. So people have a sense of ease when they're around us. Now, you know, there's the flip side of that. I don't know if we want to dive into that quite right right away. Well, I don't want to lose the point. That's a really great one. I actually never thought about it. I'm always learning new things about the Enneagram, but nine would be mathematically the only one that contains all the other numbers. Right. Right. I mean, just from a mathematical perspective. So that makes, and that's what I love the Enneagram is when you start seeing these universal truths in different ways. And that's a really good. Um, you can learn a lot by just the math of the Enneagram type. For instance, so the, the nine is oftentimes called that, like sort of the highest vibrating energy. Um, mm -hmm. That's why they feel they're experienced this sort of a lightness to them. And yeah. then you look at the bottom of the Enneagram, the four and the five, they're the darkest, right? Mm -hmm. And that's four plus five equals nine. And there's, so there's this, you know, um, yin yang thing that can happen in the Enneagram. Yeah, definitely. And so one of the things, because the nine that since we're on their strengths right now, we'll get to plenty of weaknesses, but is it, since we are working in the business setting a lot, I think a lot of times in the business setting, people can um, not give the nines enough time or enough because they're not very assertive. Um, and they cannot give them enough time to bring their ideas to the table because a nine will sit there and let the more sort of types like the seven and the eight and the three make all these decisions. But if you don't, as a, in a business setting, if you don't allow the less assertive types like a nine who's sitting there, they can't make their decision until they've weighed everybody else's opinion. And then what they come up with will actually be something that probably the team needs to hear. But if you just go with the more assertive type every time, you will miss out on that. Okay. And that's spoken very beautifully, like a nine. And I'm going to challenge the nine. It's not, it's not conflict. I'm not bringing conflict. I'm just bringing challenge because nines don't love conflict. Um, you know, as Julie was saying before, the shadow side of every Enneagram number is a reality. And for the nines, correct me if I'm wrong, it always revolves around conflict. Now there's different types of conflict. It can you know, manifest in a myriad of ways. Actually, I would add to it, it's even perceived conflict. So it's not necessarily that a conflict has happened. It could be the consequences of taking action or doing this thing could lead to conflicts, which would then shut down a nine. Absolutely. And this is, I'll just dive right in here and say, this is where mindfulness is so critical for a nine, because what makes us shut down is not paying attention to the fact that we are being driven by this intense need to avoid the conflict. When what I was just saying was that the, the world needs the nine's voice. They need that voice of the person who's looking at all sides. But if we're so scared that it's going to create conflict, then our voice doesn't get heard. And that's why I brought it up because on the one, there's a, it's always a two-way street. The people who aren't nines at the boardroom table, right, need to make space. But the nine may not get that space, and she's going to have to insert herself. Yes. Into the. And I would. I, I'm going to push back a little on that in that 
it because it's not her nature. You know, I even do this with my friends. I have these two best friends that are seven and eight. And when I'm with them, I think I've talked about this on the seven podcast. When I'm with them, there's so much back and back and forth that I I almost can't even get in there. But they know to say, hey, Julie, what do you think? And if they don't, I mean, you could say, well, it's your own fault, Julie. You should be assertive. Yes. And they can pay attention. <clears throat> yes. And <laughs> yes, and sometimes life circumstances don't bring to us such enlightened beings like Katie the Eight. Um, <laughs> she wasn't talking about me. We know that. So um, this is what I work on with my daughter, Shosh, when life, you know, life doesn't bring you those wonderful invitations then you're going to have to make your defiant stance as Frank or defy your number. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's easy. That's about as easy as it is for me not to get into an argument with the guy on the motorcycle yesterday who cut me off and he's covered in tattoos. And I rolled down my window and told him what I thought. And we're screaming at each other. And I thought he's going to pull a gun on me. Like, this is not worth it. <laughs> not a good idea. Right. I got to defy my number. You got to defy your, we all got to defy our number, but, but you're right. Yeah. It's on us as non nines now that we know, right, to make that effort. And I will also say to the nines out there listening, you can't make yourself um, come up with an opinion when you can't form an opinion until you've gotten all the pieces. We need more data points. And that's why the what we offer tends to, you know, our virtue is they call it right action. It tend, People tend to be like, oh, that's a really good point. And it's because we do that. And so I think that you have to give yourself some patience that you might not assert yourself right away, but maybe you need to circle back because that that's the point where I, can, I find that sometimes I can step up when I haven't, like I can't find the space for me to speak in, but then I'll take that time. I'll form my opinion. And then it's never too late to stand up and say, you know what? I should have said this at the time, but I was still figuring out my opinion and be okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes. So important for as a non-nine to, to for the nines to not nod their head yes in some sort of knee-jerk reaction, right? It's just like, yes, I say yes. That's what I do. That's why. Yeah, I do. Right. And don't say yes. Say, you know, what Julie's doing. And, and again, not easy, but important. I don't know. I need time. I'll get back to you. Right? Yeah, right. Back, and back, that's back, okay back. to say. Yes. And we need that. I'd rather have that than yes. And yeah. I, I just want to add, just because I, you know, I have such personal experience with this, that that's we have aligned to three, which is the achiever and this worry about what people think. And sometimes the reason we don't stand up and just say, hey, I, I haven't quite figured it out, but can you give me some time so I can? That's very assertive. And that's, the, we have access to, to us three, but we've also kind of neglected that. And we don't, we're afraid of it because it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. And I can't say enough that part of the nine's growth is to access that assertiveness again and ask for what we need. One of the superpowers I've seen with nines is that the opposite of this, you don't actually have to do anything or say anything. Their um, presence is a mediating force. It's it's a calming element, right? Just inserting them into the mix is felt. Yeah, I always say that that calming energy is kind of contagious to the people around. 
Now, partially, as I've seen it and really understand the nine, is it's there's a, as a hypersensitivity to the surroundings, right? And so it's almost um, like you're you don't have the same body armor certainly as an eight, and so there's a little more back and forth energetically. Now there's a shadow side to that because then you start absorbing all of that surrounding. Yep. Yeah. And you can enmesh. That's the word they use in uh, for the nine. They just kind of enmesh into either another person's point of view or a good group's point of view or into their like routines and things that they have to do. But there's this losing the sense of what they want because they're so busy. But it, it's, it's a gift that needs to be guarded. Um, there's a random um, scientific study that was done around um, grandfather clocks. And they had like a hundred grandfather clocks, you know, the old ones with the swinging pendulum. And they were all going at different paces. They just started them up at the same time. And then they left the room and came back 24 hours later. And what did they find? All of them were in sync. It's called entrainment. And it's a phenomenon in nature, sort of, uh, you know, like um, lots of things just end up in rhythms together. Well, I feel like that's a nine quality. They can yeah. help regulate the energy of an environment. I noticed this because I have four kids, one of which is a nine. The other ones are very volatile. And if she's in the mix, usually there's a little bit of a calming agent. Mm -hmm. However, if they get too volatile, she goes away because she gets affected. She can't handle it's too much. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think that's I feel like in my life, it's been this journey of learning how to set healthy boundaries, really. But, you know, all that boundary talk you hear about, I feel like is is screaming at all the nines because we don't get boundaries very well because of this phenomenon you're just describing and this really trying to learn to stay in my own place, not take too much on from other people. And then frankly, as a, in parenting, if you're a, a nine parent out there, um, that all that othering is really annoying to your kids. Mm. They feel it. They feel the intensity of your like coming into their space, especially if you have a teenager. Every one of my teenagers has felt that for me. They were they're like, hey, you know what? <laughs> I need a little, you know, stop worry about yourself. <laughs> so, so complex, the nine, I think it's one of the most complex types because what you see is not what you get. So mm -hmm. nines, I've been, they've been described like an iceberg floating because an iceberg can float against the wind. And you ask, how is that possible? Because most of the iceberg is beneath the surface and the current might be going in a different direction. And that's, that's a nine quality because they have this entrenched nature. They're, they're part of the body instinctual triad. Eight nines and ones are all controlling. But nines don't appear controlling. And the surface, they look easy. Underneath, my daughter Shoshana is the most stubborn of all my kids. Mm -hmm. If she's made up her mind not to do the chores, there's nothing I can do. She's like a mule who's dug in. <laughs> yeah. And that always surprises people. That's actually surprises the nines themselves when they're told that. But I've, I found they don't really like to hear that. They don't, they, it takes a while to figure out, oh, I guess I do. Yeah. She's self-preservation nine, which I think is a little different than your MO, but yes. Well, there's, ask my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah.
Yeah. Speaking um, of which, speaking of my husband, um, I, I have a, the nine, eight relationship, my husband's an eight and it's so fascinating because the nine who, and being stubborn, who's, um, wants peace and harmony being married to someone who conflict is what that's how they show intimacy creates conflict for me every day, which I don't like. Right. And yet learning the Enneagram has helped me so much because I can, every time he's just kind of throwing a bomb because that's what he does. Instead of reacting to it, I'm, I'm fascinated by my reaction to it. Like I hate it so much and I find myself shut down. And, but when I learned the Enneagram, I learned how to just not, it, it, that has nothing to do with me. It's so conflict actually is okay. And that's the irony that you're talking about the nines is that they avoid conflict, but avoiding conflict creates more conflict. So learning to be with conflict, and I have a daily opportunity being married to this person, learning to just be with conflict actually helps me learn every day. It just, it's okay. Conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. It isn't something I need to push against. And in fact, dealing with conflict creates more real peace. So I don't know if you ever listened to Barry Weiss. Do you know Barry Weiss? Oh, yeah. Substack and her yeah, podcast. Yeah, she's great. She's amazing. And it's creating this whole movement. And it's all around healthy debate, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, we, we're living in a time, a weird time where it's almost like where everybody's so tentative about having diver divergent opinions. Like, I like Obama. I like Trump. Or I like uh, Biden. I like Trump. And those are pretty stark you know, differences. And so we just stop talking. We stop sharing. We go away from the conflict. And what's happened is there's so much angst, you know, according to this worldview, and I agree with it, that we need to get back to healthy conflict. Yes. Right? To work through the conflict, to respect and understand and agree to disagree. And that's not natural for a nine. Absolutely. And when a nine learns to be with conflict, P.S., that's what mindfulness is all about, is learning to be with difficult sensation. And so when a nine learns to turn inward and see that just the, the tension it causes and not run away from it, not, you know, check out, do all those other things we do when we don't like conflict, but rather just be with that sensation, it eventually settles just paying attention, like Barry's trying to say, what's wrong with conflict? Just be with it. And then when it settles, then you can proceed and, you, and you're not proceeding in a passive aggressive way because you're not upset about the conflict. Did you ever read that article that um, Brene Brown put out about midlife calling or something like that? And basically her thesis was, you know, through the first half of life, the universe is always tapping you on the shoulder you get to a certain point where the universe is like screaming at you in the ear. Yes. And if, if a nine and we all have a nine in us doesn't listen to the tapping, the tapping gets louder and louder and louder. So the only way to peace, which is what nines are all about. The problem is, is sometimes it's a false peace if we're not dealing with the root cause and willing to look at it. So the only way to true peace is through the conflict.
Yeah, and dealing, again, the beauty of me being married to an aide, I get to practice dealing with conflict on a regular basis. And then, so it, it tends not to happen to me to have what happens to a lot of nines, which is they avoid conflict, avoid conflict, avoid conflict, and they have these like bizarre random blowups. Like, you know, they call them a simmering volcano. And it's because they don't realize it's because they just haven't dealt, haven't dealt, haven't dealt, and you just can't live that way. And so, the irony is that this avoiding of conflict creates more conflict in their life. And that explosion usually causes way more problems than if they had just dealt with the many, many aggressions along the way. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about it in relation to the Lego movie. Did you ever see the Lego movie with your kids? I did. Um, the, the, the character Unikitty. Do you remember Unikitty? She was she was a, a little unicorn kitty thing. Anyways, she walked oh, okay. around every Love and light, love and light. I don't know what she said, but no, it's okay, it's okay. And then she just blows her top at the end and like yes. okay. Um, and so I say that because nines, sevens, and twos, if you look in your Enneagram, a part of the what you know called the positive triad, and there's a positive outlook. And we live in a culture that loves positivity. Sevens are positive around experience, thinking they can do it all. And twos are positive around people wanting to see the best. And nines are positive around circumstances, right? You know, that, uh, I don't know, lots of things. But anyways, they all three of them have a, a similar vibe in that yes. way. Yes, yeah. And and a struggle with sitting with discomfort. And, and a struggle. And, and, and their growth lies in learning to sit with discomfort. Like you will not grow as a nine or a seven or a two until you learn to sit and be with your discomfort. And that means be honest, right? Because that's what that is. I see that with sevens, nines, and twos. It's not a lying. It's a self-deceit. We usually say that with the threes, but this is a different, this is, it's okay. There is no cloud. It's all sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. And and then what happens is, you know, then they, they, they're disempowered when the clouds come out, mm -hmm. right? They're not prepared. And that's why I think it's so important for two sevens and nines to avoid toxic positivity and embrace, I'm not saying being a pessimist, I'm just saying embrace reality. Don't, you don't have to make it better than it is. Yeah. My, my teenage, my youngest once caught me, she was struggling with something and I immediately said, well, yeah, but. And she just looked at me and she said, mom, it's, why can't you just let me be upset right now? You're making me feel like it's not okay for me to be upset. Mm -hmm. And boy, did uh, she call me out. I mean, I saw it in action, this like, when you flip it to the positive, even though it's a beautiful trait, you make the people that you are trying to make feel better feel like their feelings aren't valid. And it's uh the last thing I wanted to do, but... I see this in um, therapists and counselors who, you know, just don't have enough life experience sometimes where somebody will be going through grief and they'll try and, I mean, we do all of this. We try and make it better. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, a person just wants to sit in it until they don't want to sit in it anymore. Yeah. And pointing out what could be better, it invalidates their choice to work through it, to be in it. Yeah. It's so hard, though. So again, I'm, I keep bringing this back to the mindfulness thing is if I could have in the car that day instead sat with the discomfort I was feeling that my daughter was hurting and just allowed that feeling to be there, I probably wouldn't have interjected with that positive comment. I would have noticed that 
I was not comfortable with how, how that I was feeling sad for her and it's okay. And just feel that sadness. And then I might've been able to say something like, ah, oh, that's so hard. You know, I love you. Is there anything I can do for you? Which is what I would have liked to have said, you know? Um, let's talk about another paradox. I find nines are just sort of an enigma of paradox. <laughs> So I hate that you know me so well. I feel naked over here. Supposedly the following were nines or are nines. Bill Clinton, he could be argued to be a three. Ronald Reagan, Queen Elizabeth, Colin Powell, um, Dwight Eisenhower, Abraham Lincoln, Gerald Ford, Barack Obama, Princess Diana. I don't know if she's nine. Um, so like, it's strange. Like, I wouldn't have pinned some of these people as nines because, you know, like take a Barack Obama or a Ronald Reagan, right? They, they're, I mean, the most powerful job in the world is power. So it's just interesting that nines are not meek or weak, right? Even if that's sort of what we, you know, stereotype them as because of that quiet, reserved energy. Yeah, right. But they can make such amazing leaders because of that skill I talked about in the beginning where they genuinely can, not only do they see all sides, they seek all opinions. So as leaders, they they can't form their opinion until they hear everybody else's opinion, which, I mean, isn't that what you want in a leader? So if they're assertive enough to do that, they can rise above in a lot of their professions because they make people feel good because they're heard. Yeah, so they're, they're really good listeners at that. You know, they they listen because they're looking for that data point. You think it's just because they're just good listeners, but really we're looking for that data point in each person so that we can figure out how we feel. I work with a lot of men now, almost not exclusively, but primarily. And I notice that they resist wanting to be nines and twos. And I think it's a cultural, you know, stigma stereotype where they think it's you know, to be meek is to be weak mm -hmm. and or, or on the two side to be sort of nurturing is to be weak. But, you know, you look at nines and twos, I would argue as some of the most powerful people to have ever walked the earth. They just, you know, what's, you know, it's about nines and twos that I see so similar. Neither one really loves the spotlight. They tend to be behind the scenes, empowering others. And that's a powerful place to be. Yeah, right. Because they know that they're invaluable. <laughs> yeah. And so there's like not this need to be in the spotlight, but in the absence of somebody stepping into it. I mean, I just named off a bunch of people who, who stepped into it. Right. Right. Because they have that ability to lead if it's needed. And they can take that stubborn, if they have like a passion or a strong view on something, they can take that stubbornness into a leadership role and have it be benefit to everybody. So what are some tips we can give our listeners or viewers on if you're a nine or if you're in relationship with a nine? Well, just to start with, if you're in relationship with a nine, just know that they don't think that they matter. And so any, any way you can like that they're not important or that their view isn't important. Um, so trying to help them like when, when my husband says, well, what do you think? That really helps because I'm sitting here trying to formulate an opinion and sometimes I'll just let the conversation go. But if you can just look at your nine and say, well, what's, what's your opinion? I really want to know what you think. Um, 
or like this, it really matters to me that you're, you're here. Um, you're, it's important. You're, you are important because they have this knee jerk that they're not in the background. They don't think they are. They don't think there's a point and they don't think their opinion matters. I, I've shared this before. I think it was with you, but um, one day we were on a road trip and we decided we would just give Shoshana our nine the keys, if you will, to all the day's decisions. And so we said to her, and she didn't want it at first, like, but we said, where are we eating breakfast? And all my kids are yelling and Shoshana sitting there quietly. And we're like, Shosh, what do you want? And then we did it for lunch. And then we went to the museum, wherever she wanted to go that day, we did. But by the end, she was glowing. <laughs> right. And my other kids were fuming. You know, the age yeah, right? one wanted to take control of the whole thing. Right. We have three nines in my house, myself and two of my daughters. And this summer, I think I told you, we took this road trip to the two girls and I. So I was like three nines on a road trip. And the more sort of types in our house are, are cackling like, oh, they'll never, they'll get lost. They'll never find their way. They what do you want to eat? I don't care what you want to eat. I don't care what you want to eat. I don't care. So they were making fun of us. And so, but the, the flip side happened because we, instead it was just like all peace and harmony and no one had to worry about the other person. And so we kept joking about how when there aren't assertive people to defer to, we actually can step up. Totally. Um, so one other tip I was going to share with the nine is, oh, don't, don't believe them when they say yes. Um, yeah. Don't believe them when they say yes. Not that they're not telling the truth, but I've had too many situations where my, with my nines where they didn't want to, and I didn't push hard enough. And I just accepted that. And, you know, I get to this point now with Shoshana or with my sister, Rebecca, where I can tell when they don't mean yes. And I then give them permission to say no. Yeah, and that's, right. that's been very helpful to them. Yeah. And when they say maybe, they probably mean no. Yeah. Or later. They just don't want to put that no out there. I'll, I'll add to, because this in my experience, that sometimes... Um, our stubbornness or like, you know, when we're in conflict and we shut down and kind of check out a little bit and what happens is that other people give us, oh, she, she must need space or whatever. And that's not always the case. Sometimes we need to have our feet held to the fire by our more assertive partners or friends. Um, and I think unknowingly, sometimes we push people away when we do that. And it's the opposite of what we need. And so don't let, I mean, yes, we need time to process and all that, but that pushing away, sometimes when you feel that push away, we actually need the hug and we actually need you to dig in a little harder and say, no, I need your, I need to know what you're thinking. Or I really want, you know, um, I mean, it's a delicate balance, right? But I, I think we, if you can help a nine um, find their power, uh, that's, that is probably going to be well-received. This is true because the nines have the softness of the Enneagram to the helper, but to the rigidity of the eight and the one, because they're in the body type. And so yeah. it's a, sort of mixed messages, right? Yeah. Like I noticed that even hugging Shoshana where it's almost like a little stiffening, but yeah. then I can tell like if I, you know, hug her for long enough, like the, the shoulders drop and yeah. Right? Yeah. Where I mean, I've had a, a close friend say, Julie, it feels like you're like pushing me away. And I'm like, it's the last thing I want to be doing. 
but it's, and I mean, again, it's that nine irony where we get the opposite of what we're looking for. We create less peace, or, or I think one of the fears they said for a nine is this disconnection from people. And when we get under stress and we shut down, we actually push people away more and feel more disconnected. So let's do a quick book recommendation um, as a nine. I'll, I have one in mind and then I'll give you a second to think about it. I would recommend for anybody listening to understand nines, um, Susan Cain's book, Quiet. It's a really powerful book on being an introvert in an extrovert's world. And not that nines are all introverted, but it's an inward energy, right? That's really what an introvert is. It's a natural inward movement. It doesn't mean they can't go outward. It just means basically they recharge by going inward, by being alone, by quiet. And that's not a bad thing, but our society really has set it up as a negative, not a positive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, honoring that and giving them some space. And not apologizing yeah. for it. You know, like one of our examples is, you know, you, a parent will always say if you introduce a child and they hide behind the parent, oh, I'm sorry, she's so shy. Right. But they never really say that about the extroverted kid who's, you know, like out there and whatever. And like we apologize. But why apologize? Like that's a retreat into like a necessary space where she needs to be. So the whole point, though, is that we live in a very Enneagram 7, Enneagram 3, Enneagram 8 culture. Mm-hmm. And that's not a nine. No, it's not. Well, we got it in us. We will surprise you. Yeah, I, I, I see it. Right. Yeah. Do you have any nine? If I was going to recommend a book, I, of course, I'm going to pick a mindfulness book. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh's piece in every step, because I really feel mindfulness has changed. Like I learned about the Enneagram, but mindfulness has changed my ability to to make change knowing my Enneagram, to make that change, to be able to pause when, say, there's conflict. And instead of like going into this head thing of like, they're wrong and they shouldn't do that. And I got to check out and this is bad. You know, mindfulness practices always is about being with that discomfort and learning to be with that, let it go. And when I do, I naturally, I just, right action just arises for me. I just am able to either be assert myself, push back to the conflict, do what I need to do and not do that checkout thing. And so Thich Nhat Hanh is one of my favorite um, writers on mindfulness. It's really easy. And at just for the nine pieces, every step is great because it's about every, it's about finding peace in every moment, not pieces already there for us to have nines have forgotten that. And we're busy running around trying to create this piece. And often it's creating, it's, it's disconnecting us from peace. And it's so mindfulness is about finding the peace that's already here. And sometimes that means challenging conflict. Sometimes that means standing up. Sometimes that means saying something, something uncomfortable or asserting yourself. And Thich Nhat Hanh, I believe is an Enneagram nine. So, Oh yeah, that's right. So, all right. Well, I think we've given our listeners a good snapshot into the world of a nine. Maybe now we'll give them the experience of um, becoming mindful as a nine or like a nine or wherever Julie takes us in this this mindfulness meditation practice. So I'm going to pause for just a second so I can pull these uh, out later on and you'll be able to have a standalone audio download. But... Um, we always begin as with the following. 
between stimulus and response, writes Dr. Viktor Frankl, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our happiness. This is the expanding your space mindfulness meditation for Enneagram 9, the peacemaker. So thanks, B. We're going to do a practice to learn to expand that space because like all of us, when we're in a stressful situation, we react so quickly, it's hard to do it differently. But we're going to practice with this magic of the pause, I call it, for the nine. Because if we can pause and just be with our discomfort without trying to change it, without trying to fix it, without trying to make it different than it is, we can find the space to, to be in our growth space where we, all the stuff we just talked about, stand up to conflict and um, assert ourselves and, and bring this, create real peace, not or find the real peace um, instead of more conflict. So we're gonna start with a, a pra um, practice and then we're gonna do what we've done for all of these um, podcast is learn to be with the sensations that arise in discomfort and get to know that because that's usually the alarm clock. I call that our body sensations that arise in stress is an alarm clock that tells us when we need to pause, when we need to expand that space in the quote, the Viktor Frankl quote, that, that space expansion is the difference maker. It's what allows you to be the best version of yourself, the best version of a nine. So let's start by bringing your feet flat on the floor, your legs, feet hip, hip width distance apart. Rest your hands softly on your legs. And maybe let's just do one shoulder roll, bring your shoulders forward up to your ears and then back and down. Maybe do one more of those. It's so good for the nine to check in with their body. They hold a lot of tension in their shoulders trying to keep all that anger down. And then take two deeper than normal breaths, softening your shoulders on the exhale. We're gonna bring your awareness to the area of your chest and feel your chest expanding in all directions as you breathe in. The pause and then contracting inward as you breathe out. And maybe as you breathe in, feel your chest getting larger, almost like your whole body is getting bigger. And then the whole body softening as you exhale. And as with all mindfulness practices, you're going to anchor your attention here in the sensation of your breath at your chest. And then notice when your attention wanders. That's just what it's supposed to do. And each time it does, bring your attention back to the next breath. And maybe picture a balloon inside your chest getting really big as you breathe in. So you feel it pushing front to back and up, to, up and down. And then deflating as you breathe out. 
Nines tend to be natural at belly breathing, which is what a lot of us have to work on. But actually working on moving into their chest, which is a more energetic breath, is a really great practice for nines. So as you're feeling with your breath in your chest, notice maybe yourself getting bigger on the inhale with all that energy in your chest moving forward along with the softening on the exhale. And the nine combines those two, they're really stepping into their power. And now we're gonna shift gears a little bit and bring your attention to up into your mind, thinking about a situation of conflict for you. So just mull in your mind a conflict or maybe someone who's been aggressive with you. See if you can come up with a situation and really picture the situation as if you're watching the movie of the event. What happened. And for a nine, you might think of multiple situations and not be able to figure out which one you want to land on. That's okay. You can actually think of multiple. So one or a couple, just what comes to mind? Situations of conflict or aggression. And see if you can remember how you felt in the situation, how your body felt. So not mad, angry, sad, frustrated, but rather how your body felt, like tense, tingling, tightness, maybe tight throat, tears in your eyes, maybe shoulders tightening, maybe just the whole body tensing urge to run away. And now come into your body right now and see if any of those sensations are present just thinking about it. And just a curious awareness, not trying to change the sensation. We're actually trying to get to know how our body feels when we're in conflict. And now bring your awareness back up to thinking about the situation, the conflict or the aggressive person. Thinking about how you felt at the time. And then come back down into your body, maybe your torso or whatever area, maybe the tension in your whole body. What are you feeling as a result of thinking about that? Allowing it to be there what I like to call a loving awareness of just the way your body reacts to this stressor. And 
Maybe noticing if the sensation changes, moves, just being curious. And then as you're ready, we'll let go of the image and come back to that chest breathing. So breathing into your power again. Focus all your attention on that expansion of the rib cage as you breathe in. The pause and then the contraction of the rib cage as you breathe out. The balloon expanding as you breathe in. Deflating as you breathe out. Feeling this sense of expansiveness as you breathe in. Along with softening as you breathe out. And then noticing one more time how your body feels after focusing on your chest again. Noticing if there's been a shift from when you were thinking about the conflict. Maybe even tuning into that sensation of expansive strength along with the softening. That a nine is able to embody so well when they step into their power of it. Take one more deep breath in, letting go on the exhale, and softening your posture. So thanks for going through that. Through that with me. You could maybe tell it's, it's one I do for myself very often. Um, and I can't tell you lines out there how helpful it is to, to learn how your body reacts under stress because the body is usually telling you before your mind registers it. One thing I forgot to say in the podcast is that I, I used to know I was angry because my husband would ask me why am I walking loud because I was so disconnected from my anger and mindfulness practice has so helped me. I know when I'm angry now. I know what it feels like, and I know before he does usually. <laughs> but it took it took some practice and not disconnecting from our bodies and just I can't I can't encourage you enough. Well, you're a uh, example of what's possible in defying your number, right? Embracing the high side of the nine and moving beyond the the reactionary side of the nine. And we can it all do that. It is possible. It is possible. Another. Mm -hmm. Another success story. So um, if you want more on Julie, you can jump over to mindfulmouse.com um, or you can find her on my website and all of our podcasts are there as well as on her site. So check her out or you can jump over to defiantspirit.org to learn more about what I do and how both I and Julie can work with you either individually but also together. So check it out online and we will see you 
in the next podcast, I say that with, you know, knowing that this is the end of the road for expand your space. However, we'll figure out what's next. And I'm certain we'll be back. Thanks so much, Julie. Yes, just the beginning. Just the beginning. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.